Hey moms, welcome to the Virtual Six Figure Mom Podcast, a show for moms who want to achieve their definition of success while managing their day-to-day responsibilities and maintaining some sense of sanity along the way. Let's jump into today's episode. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, mom friends. We are in for something amazing today. And let me just tell you why. I'm going to set the stage. This woman is really the reason this platform, this community exists. Virtual Six Figure Mom was initially born back in like circa 2015-ish, give or take, after a few conversations with the one and only Amanda Miller at Little John. And I'm just so honored and kind of speechless, which is not an option when you're recording a podcast episode, to have her here with us today. So join me in welcoming Mrs. Amanda Miller Little John. Thank you for joining us. Thank you so much for having me and for just making me feel special up in here. I love <laughs> it. I'm so glad to be sitting here with you and your listeners. And I'm excited for our conversation. Same, same. All right. So I know who you are. I know what you do. I know what you've done over so many years, but introduce yourself to the community. Wow. I almost feel like your introduction would be better. (laughs) I will. I will do it. But I feel like, you know, you got me over here feeling good, blushing, uh, feeling special. But I will say I am Amanda Miller Little John. I'm a writer. I'm a PR strategist. I am a personal branding coach, which is, I think, the hat I was wearing when we initially connected. And I think above all of those things. And of course, I'm a mom of three and you know, a wife and a hard worker, a friend. But all of the things that I think thread those identities together is my passion for helping people identify what lights them up, follow their passions and really live a life that where they're engaging with their authentic selves and the purpose that they were put on earth to do. Like I'm passionate about helping people find that, live in it, breathe in it, be in it, and really get to know themselves better. And so I feel like I do that as a coach pretty well. I help my clients share their stories as a PR strategist, but also as kind of a a writer and contributing columnist. Like those are some of the themes that are within my writing work as well. Mm-hmm. So those are my identities. I know like, you know, what are you supposed to say? Like, I, I won these awards. I've done this. I've done that. <laughs> it's always changing and shifting. But I think those are my broad strokes of who I am and kind of what I do and how I operate in my own gifts. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And what I've heard a lot this week in your zone of genius, right? A lot of people have referenced that. I recently finished reading this book, which was phenomenal. And it made me think of you. So how old are the kids now? Because I know little mama is still a baby in my head. She's a baby. She is. So we have Logan, who's 15, Connor, who's 14, and Layton, who is 22 months. Wow. Yes. So she's almost two. She's already in her terrible twos, as Mm -hmm. they say. 
she's it embracing it early. <laughs> she's early. Yes. And she's a girl. And it lasts a long time. Like falling out and doing the whole thing. I'm like, did somebody do this at daycare and you're imitating it? Like, what is this? Yeah. This <laughs> is not you. It can't be you. I refuse to believe this is you. <laughs> so what was it like? Because there was a break in there. What was it like to sort of start over again from it the beginning? Different. It is, it was and is a very different thing to have a child in your I wasn't 40 at the time, but I turned 40 when she was about nine months. And so I had my sons in my late 20s. Mm. So it's just physically, it's very different. But in so many ways, it's a lot richer. I love having had both experiences because I won't say one is better than the other. But definitely now, obviously, we're more resourced. (laughs) We kind of understand what's important, which is honestly how she came to be. She was a very intentional (laughs) choice. Mm -hmm. Um, I thought I was finished having kids. And then my own children, my sons were getting older. And I realized, wow, we're moving into high school. We only have a few more years with them at home. And we really enjoy just our family as it is. And I personally felt like I had more mothering in me to do. Mm. And I always wanted a daughter. Like (laughs) I've wanted a daughter since I started having kids. Like I was hoping the first one was a girl and then the second one. And then I was like, oh, well, I'm not getting a girl. And so I don't know if you know this to be true or you feel the same, but I really feel like every woman who has children at least needs a daughter. (laughs) Like, I just, to me, it's something really special. Even my own mother tried to tell me, oh, you're fine. You've got enough kids. I'm like, well, it's easy for you to say that because you have a daughter, (laughs) right? Yeah. And I love my sons. But, you know, when I think of growing old and, you know, who am I going to call and who do I want to like fuss at me and (laughs) pick at me? (laughs) Who do I know will do it because they're not careful. Right. (laughs) Be careful with that. But I look forward to it. No, I do. I do. I look forward to that relationship. So it's different. I feel my age. I don't have as much energy (laughs) as Mm -hmm. I did. But the boys are older. They're a great help. And I have perspective now. So I don't push myself to do more than I can. And I just realize, like, this is what's important. This is what needs to wait. And that's even a lesson I've learned since she got here. So Mm. I'm ever evolving and ever learning. It's different. In some ways, it's better. In some ways, it's more difficult and challenging. But I wouldn't trade it for anything. So it's interesting to hear you say that because I only have girls, 24 now and 16. Mm. We breathe on that. Mm. So yeah, the age gap is there for sure. And it's very clear that I was a different mother, right? I was a different human being with different life experiences by the time I had my second child. And I imagine if I had another one now, resources, villages, all those things I think about, like I would raise this next child, which I'm I'm not having. Let's be clear about that. Not that that's not happening. <laughs> like, don't but even I'm, put that in the universe. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, <laughs> please don't. Um, <laughs> um but we, I think I wouldn't trade them for anything in the world. They come with challenges, <laughs> but I love them 
with all of those challenges and a different set for each kid, right? 24 and 16, just different challenges. But man, it's something about having daughters. Not to say I couldn't have this connection with a son. It's just different. It's different. And I think my mom, so my mom started with two daughters and then she had my brother when she was 40 and he was the interesting child and I love him two pieces, but she was a different person. She was different with him and not to say she didn't have that attachment. It's just different with mothers and boys. He's super attached to her, but yeah, I love my girls. I think there's something special about just seeing that arc of womanhood, right? And like almost experiencing it all over again through them, you know, and I wrote something, I think in my journal or a poem or something about how like, as I, as my leaves change and fade, she'll become, she'll be blossoming, right? Like she'll be coming into her. And I don't know, it's something special about just watching that circle of life, even with my own mother and seeing just how like, as she moves into that season of her life and I'm like kind of here where I remember her to be at this age. I remember I was in middle school, I think, when she was my age now. And then now having a daughter who's going to watch me age and kind of move into that next season and I get to watch her blossom. It's really exciting. But like, I think all of our kids, the beautiful journey of motherhood is the lessons they teach us both you know, about life and about ourselves. So I'm excited to see what she teaches me because my boys have been my greatest teachers. They really have. And so I'm excited to see what like mothering a girl is going to unravel and reveal to me about this whole life. Talk to me again in like 12 years when I'm I'm pulling my hair out, if I have any hair left. Girl, when it's not as beautiful, when it's not, oh, the leaves are falling off the trees. It's like, be clear about one thing, sweetheart, right? Like, let's follow up in 12. Uh, Yeah, let's let's do a follow-up episode for sure. I'm going to put it in my calendar. Yeah, mine became (laughs) someone completely different when she turned 12. The the youngest one, the oldest one was born different. So I knew who she was like, and she has not changed. And I love her. Hi, Tiara. She has not changed. My little one, she started off as one person. And then when she hit 12, it was like, who are you? And why are you? Who are you and why are you? And where is your mother? Right. Because I feel like I've been misled. She may be shifting out of that now. She's 16, but I think it'll be a few more years before I get my little, little Caitlin back. Hi, Caitlin. I love you. Yeah. It's a beautiful thing, though. Let me ask you this. As beautiful as all of this motherhood stuff is, you talk about really kind of needs being a little bit different, right? Resources being a little bit different, perspective on motherhood being different as you've gotten older, as you've experienced life. What exactly does that look like? And I say that thinking about your actions, right? And being mindful of the fact that our kids are watching everything we do and everything we don't do. You are running a business. In my head, you are a boss. And in the heads of many, you are a boss. Do you, like, have you really thought about how the little ones, how the kids, how your daughter and how your sons are experiencing this Amanda, right? Not corporate, like this Amanda, like living and running the show. 
and I know your son, right? I follow them as well. So talk to us about an entrepreneur, right? Mm -hmm. Raising children who are watching you just build this legacy. Well, I'm very fortunate that my sons have, they have a pretty good vocabulary in terms, an emotional vocabulary. Mm -hmm. They can pinpoint what they see and tell you exactly what it is. Like they have an access to their thoughts and feelings that I don't know that I had at that age. Maybe I had it in the written form, but they can do it verbally, Mm -hmm. which is really powerful. So they are ever affirming to me. They uh, let me know, like one of my sons told me that he shows me off (laughs) to his friends. I was like, what are you talking about? He's like, I Googled you and, you know, I showed them like this. My mom's a boss. (laughs) And you don't realize that that's what they're taking away from your journey, especially when they see you in sweats or before you've had your coffee and you're just kind of like around. But I don't take it lightly that they are watching me. They have a a nickname for me that (laughs) I love because people are like, what do they say? They don't call me mom or mommy. They call me Lamel. Lamel, which is like L A M L, my initials, but they added an L on the front for legendary. Oh, wow. The legendary Amanda Miller, Little John. These are my kids. Yes. Like a hype squad, right? Like, I love them to hype them up. So they call me Lamel, like that's my name. It's not mom anymore. Now I'm just Lamel. And it's funny because my daughter is starting to say Lamel, Lamel. And they're like, no, 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 you can't say, call her mommy for now. You call her Lamel later. I love um, it. You ask that you make a good point because sometimes when I get discouraged or I'm having a bad day or I'm having a questionable season and I'm not sure how I want to move forward or what direction I want to take, they do serve as almost a compass for me to remind mm-hmm. me both that they are watching, but like I'm not doing this alone. I'm not doing this in a silo where no one can see. Like, they are proud of me. They are proud of what I accomplished. Like, when I land big contracts, I tell them. And they're like, they cheer me on. And it's incredible. And I also think that we'll probably see in a decade or so, or even sooner than that, our kids are watching us be independent be creative about how we generate our income and create resources for our families and do it in a way that is more balanced and is on our terms and is flexible. And I think you can't unsee that. And I think those are values that, you know, seeing me work this way and be able to accomplish what I'm able to accomplish in my own domain, I think is inspiring to them. And I think it helps them to think creatively themselves about how they want to contribute to society and how they want to earn their living. Like they have options. And that makes me really proud to know that like I'm modeling for them that they have options. They don't have to just take whatever they can get. They can build something they can create something. Like they've all had side hustles. They've all made Mm -hmm. money. Mm-hmm. From their talents, you know, I've taught them how to like package their genius yes. in different ways at different points. And I think 
it's confidence building when you know, okay, I have skills that I can always turn into income if I need to or if I want to. And if I don't want to, I don't have to, but I can if I do. So, oh goodness, this is this is getting so good. Let me ask you this because there's a mom out there and I was that mom. And honestly, if I'm being transparent, I'm probably still that mom, right? Who has a desire to really and truly brand herself as an expert, right? Step away from corporate. I've been gone now for some months again. And they want to move into this entrepreneurship space, right? All of this that we're talking about sounds great. I'm going to show my kids that this is possible. I want to live in my purpose. I don't know how to do that. I don't know what I'm supposed to do. How do I figure out, you know, I keep hearing this word genius, genius. How do I figure out what exactly that looks like for me? Because my identity has been tied to being a mom, being in corporate. Talk to us a little bit about your thoughts around figuring out what this genius is, right? How do we tap into that? Well, I think we all have a genius and I love that you said tap into it. It's not something that we create, but it's more something we uncover and it's probably also evolving as we all are evolving. We're not static creatures. We're living and breathing. And so I like to look at one genius from the continuum of like across the continuum of their life starting in childhood. And I really encourage people to do the work to examine what has energized you throughout your entire life and what you were doing when you felt most at home in yourself. Mm. Okay. That typically shape shifts a bit and it may like look a certain way or manifest differently across the course of your life. But there's typically a recurring theme, an undercurrent that is really flowing beneath what you're doing. And so an exercise that I take clients, it's called a story pyramid where you examine your life, like you take a period of your life that you can divide into five sections with you know, the most recent period being like the top, like the top of the pyramid. So if you think of a pyramid, like a triangle, and it's got like five sections, Mm -hmm. the base is like the least recent section. So say you're looking at your entire life, that base might be childhood. And then the next level up is like adolescence and high school. The next level up is college and then early career and then late career to now. You could also look at it from the standpoint of maybe since I started working my last five jobs. So the first would be my least recent fifth job and then my fourth and third and then up to now. Mm-hmm. And then once you have kind of those time periods or those employee points as your frame, right? Like the things you're going to examine, you take each one, you start at the least recent one and you ask yourself, what was I doing in this season that energized me? What was I doing that drained me? What problem was I solving? What audience was I helping? What did people ask for my help with? What did they thank me for? And you that each of the seasons and what you'll begin to see is there are themes. There are things that continuously jump out, even if in one role you were working, the thing that energized you the most was working on a marketing project. And in another role, the thing that 
energized you the most was like writing website copy, perhaps like the idea of being creative or creating something public facing from scratch is the theme, right? So you try Mm -hmm. to figure out what do all of these moments have in common? If I'm looking at the problem I've solved over the course of five distinct phases of my life or my career journey, what do all those problems have in common? Is it the same exact problem? How are they connected? You didn't ask me this and I'm totally, I'm totally unprepared. I know you're like, what are you doing? No, no, no. Listen, I'm right here with you. Where I was doing this, it really blew my mind. I was thinking about like myself and how, um, ah, here it is. It's so good. (laughs) It's so good. I have to share this just to give you an example. So I was thinking about like how, is my work as a personal brand strategist and a PR strategist and coach connected to the work I do as like a columnist. So I write essays and columns for national publications and I'm hoping to, no, I am working towards a book deal (laughs) to write my essays, right? Mm -hmm. And commentary, but that's, it's a bit different from helping people figure out what their passion is or how they can create an income stream out of their expertise. And so one of the things that came out for me is that my whole life, everything I've done has been to help people. And I made this list of all the things I've done and I've loved doing, like taking photos, writing people's bios, doing graphics and videos, whatever. All of that, all of those things help me help you communicate who you really are, right? Mm. All of those things do that. And then when I think about my creative writing, I've written poems since middle school. Like I used to write poems in middle school. I even wrote fiction in college. I wrote journalism right after college and I'm writing essays now. And all of that creative work has the common thread of helping communicate how you really feel. So on the one hand, I'm helping people communicate who they really are. But then my writing lens, my lens as a writer, my words, when you read them, Mm -hmm. I'm giving you language to tell other people how you really feel. And that, to me, those are like two sides of the same thing, but they're so connected, right? It's like, I know my gift is translation. So people come to me because they have no idea who they are and they don't know how to talk about themselves. And then I kind of like tell them, oh, this is what you do. I can see it. It's written all over you. This is how you describe yourself. But with my creative work, it's a similar thing because I can't tell you how many times after an essay publishes, people will comment, oh my God, this is exactly how I feel. And I just couldn't put it into words or I've had this on my heart, like the tip of my tongue or the tip of my spirit, but I didn't know how to articulate it. And I didn't know exactly how I felt, but you put my inner experience into words. And so I say all that to say that like, as we live and experience ourselves and unfold, right? We're peeling back our layers Mm -hmm. every year, every day, every moment that we're alive. But as we peel back those layers, I find it fascinating that more often than not, we are getting a more precise version of the self that was already there. And so there are things I'm doing today that feel literally like things I was doing in middle school. Literally the feedback, it feels the same. 
as like when I would write a poem for someone or I'd write a poem about something we, I was going through and a friend would say, oh my God, I, that's how I feel. I never would have said it that way. And that's exactly what happens to me now. So I say all that to say, I think sometimes we can overthink and we imagine that the person that we can market is this like far away person who we haven't even encountered when it really just takes getting back in tune and in touch with the self that's already there. And it's always been there. Wow. I just feel like I need a minute. Okay. I understand. Yeah. I feel like I need a minute with that because I think about, you know, the conversation we had years ago, which I still remember, it's still so fresh for me and how I look back over my life, even today, right? At 13, I was in an amazing boarding school here in Richmond, Virginia, and trying to figure myself out, right? Like different environment. No, very few people looked like me in this school, great education. And I just wanted to work, right? Like I had this desire to work. And I think part of that came from my mom, but I started working and I continued to work. And by the time I was done with high school, I had this resume, but along the way, people were asking, okay, Christina, how'd you get that job? Christina, how'd you get that? I mean, from 13, how'd you get that job? How'd you get that job? All right. So how'd you put this resume together from 13? Right. Mm -hmm. And I went all the way around the block and did so many other things only to come back to HR (laughs) virtual six-figure mom and coaching is my thing. I want someone to understand the options they have, right? The career path options. Like this is absolutely possible. We're not reinventing the wheel. This is who you are at your core. You know, let's walk in this. This is a potential path for you. And then we can package that in a resume and LinkedIn profiles and all that fun stuff. But like I had to pause because I'm like, Yeah, from like a young age, people were like, can you help me find a job? Can you help me? Right. I'm a kid and I have people older than me to this day. Like, Christina, can you help me with this? And I'm like, probably because I mean, I feel like I'm pretty successful. This is what I do. (laughs) It's what I do. And I have since packaged the genius. That was a lot. It hit me here. So like I wanted to just kind of be in that space for a second because so many people are like, okay, wait, so I don't have to reinvent the wheel, right? Someone somewhere is listening to this and now the wheels are turning like, wait a minute. I mean, I, I think, really it, like I, think I think what it really speaks to, and you hit the nail on the head when you said you you kind of went all around only to come back is, I don't think our culture does a good job of affirming our gifts oh. early on. There's always this search for, more, bigger, better, other, instead of dialing into, wow, you have a knack for that. You're really good at that. You seem to really enjoy that. So like, let's deepen that. It's always like, what can you add to your toolkit? What can you learn? What can you do to become more? Because of that, I think we inherently don't value our innate Gifts like we're so close to it, we're so close to the things that we do naturally, and I think that's 
you know, just by virtue of being close to something, you can take it for granted, but also because our society fails to look at children and young people and say, like, you're amazing as you are in this realm. Like, yes, you can learn other things, but like, you, it looks as though you're really passionate about music or fashion or helping people or giving advice. Like, I wonder what you could do with that. And so I think that's one of the reasons why so many of us spend so much time going around the world only to come Mm -hmm. home to the thing that was always there is because we were never taught to value what we do well and what we love to do. It's always this search of something external to ourselves that we feel will make us more valuable when the value is already there. It's like, we just need to mine it. You know, it's like we have these diamonds in us and find them instead of thinking like it's out there somewhere. Like you see people getting all these certifications and all these different Mm -hmm. things. Mm -hmm. What are you doing? What are you doing? What are you trying to prove? Like there's so much in you already. What's in you that you can certify? Right. Ooh. (laughs) Once again, I just that right there, because that was me. Mm -hmm. That was me. That's most of us. Mm -hmm. We don't value, we don't take ourselves seriously. That's what it is. We do not take ourselves seriously. Other people can see us, but we have such a difficult time seeing ourselves and it usually takes a lifetime to be able to finally see oh my god I was beautiful oh my god I was a really good writer oh my god I was great at I gave good career advice as a 13 year old I was helping adults get jobs like it takes us lifetimes so hopefully this conversation can speed that up for someone so yeah. they don't have to, right? <laughs> they don't have to grow old and look back and say, "Oh my God, I was really good at that." Why didn't I believe Do in more it? of that? Right? Mm-hmm. Why, why didn't I really pour effort and energy into what already existed? And I think it's also sometimes we're just afraid to claim what we really want. Maybe it's because it means more to us, mm. right? Like maybe that's a piece of it too. It's like you're close to it; you really want that. Yeah. But you don't give yourself permission to really want it because not getting it is painful. So it's easier, right? Like, what's his name? The guy who wrote The Art of, I can't remember, Stephen Pressfield. He talks about shadow careers. You know, like a lot of people have these things that they are good at and they're doing, but honestly, they would really love to be doing something else, like something creative or something that's kind of close to what they're doing in the shadow career but they haven't given themselves permission to claim that and really go for it. And I want more of us to do that. Like, yeah. why not? If not us, who? Who? <laughs> you okay? <laughs> like, yeah. So let me ask you this. All this sounds really good, but there are obstacles, right? And I think about one's ability to maybe step away from corporate and pursue this path that, you know, I don't even want to use the word uncertain, but unfamiliar, maybe outside of the comfort zone. And again, thinking about myself and other mothers who were in corporate for the stability while still suffocating that passion within. Talk to me about the transition and your thoughts around 
the transition from the corporate space, which can sometimes be a bit suffocating, to living in your purpose? You know, it's funny. My answer is going to be a bit different than it would have been had we talked or when we talked back in 2015-16. Because I have worked with so many corporate women and observed the, how do I put this, brainwashing? (laughs) Corporate environments are really dangerous to your sense of self and mental health. And I think especially when we're talking about high achieving black women or even just professionals of color, men, women, brown, whatever. We are typically bred to overachieve. Bred, that's a strong language. I mean, (laughs) we're trained. (laughs) We grow up in environments and households that prioritize hard work, developing a work ethic, overworking. Mm-hmm. And we bring that into these corporate environments and we ascend, like if you get ahead, like it's because you're good, but you get in these environments and they gaslight you and have make you feel like your accomplishments are not significant or important or valuable. And so what I end up facing when I talk to clients who've been like that or been in corporate environments like that, and they persistently hear that call to do something independent, is a lot of the upfront work we do is just kind of getting them mentally calibrated to be able to see themselves and see the truth of their contributions and the truth of who they are because they've been told day in and day out not necessarily overtly, but just they haven't been promoted or their ideas are claimed by other people who get the credit and then they get promoted. They're asked to train, to train people who will take over their jobs and receive more pay. And so the disrespect is, it is so normalized Mm -hmm. that, you know, when you experience that, day in, day out, week in, week out, month in, month out, year in, year out, it doesn't occur to you that it's not you, right? It doesn't occur to you that you're in a system that thrives off of your inability to see yourself and your inability to know your own value. And it's widespread. So you can see how this is perpetuated across the board with other people. And so you you're like, well, is it just me? And so you're having this mental conversation. Like, I thought I was really good. I worked really hard on that. I gave it my all. And yet it's never enough. And I think the more I really learn about and embrace just, gosh, anti-capitalism and the history of capitalism, especially for us as Black people, yeah, we were currency, right? Yep. The system is just set up so that Yes, you are encouraged to work more, but the payoff is never really worth it. Like it never is, right? <laughs> like, and, and so, but we never figure that out because there's always something else to chase. So it's a little bit further to go. So I say all that to say not to go down a rant on uh, anti-capitalism, but these environments that we are spending <laughs> so many of our years in do a number on 
our concept of self. And so the first part, I think, of any real just like personal branding or kind of personal development process for someone who has decided that they are going to depart from a corporate structure and try to do something independently is to just really get to know yourself again and get to know the truth of who you are and wallow in that, like lay around in it, roll around in it and really see what you brought to the table, the numbers, how you've increased value, how you've made things better and to affirm yourself because until you see yourself clearly it's really difficult to speak about yourself powerfully to characterize your contribution powerfully to charge what you deserve to be paid so it's like these you know the damage of corporate america can follow you into entrepreneurship if you don't take the time to really shore up your self image which is one of the things that like I harp on and it's a it's one of the pillars of my executive coaching framework, purpose scaping. It's mm-hmm. like we have to know who we are and see ourselves clearly and accurately before we can talk about ourselves. Because what you'll also find is when you ask someone who doesn't see themselves clearly to describe what they bring to the table, their language can be very diminished. It can be very humble, modest, but in a way that is not it doesn't serve you, right? It's actually harming you because you set yourself up to earn less, right? And so then it's like, well, what's the point? You're overworking and earning less because you're afraid to own the depth of what you offer and what you can contribute. So that's the first part to really, but I think too, knowing that should give someone freedom, right? Like Mm -hmm. it's difficult. And it, it, if you've been working in an organization or in a certain type of work environment for years or even decades, you can't expect to flip a switch and mentally shift over Mm -hmm. into, okay, I'm going to get paid what I worth, what I'm worth. And I'm going to sell my gifts and talents on my terms. Like it's a process, you know, it's deprogramming. So you have to give yourself space to do that. I've had, I have this one client I'm thinking of who we started working together back in 2017. And he had a really good corporate job, but he always knew that he wanted to do something on his own. But we worked together at first just to kind of like get his brand together, talk about how he does his work because he wanted to get a promotion. But he he always stated that goal of like, I want to start my own business. Mm-hmm. And I told him, okay, well, this is what it'll take. You know, at the time, I'm very like, matter of fact, well, all you got to do is this. And these could be your first few clients. And this would be the narrative that you could use. And he's like, okay, okay. He heard me. but. He had to metabolize for himself and do the work because you kind of have to counteract the messages you're hearing on a daily basis, right? So you you have to, like, that doesn't just dissipate and go nowhere. You have to balance that with at least the same amount, if not more, positive affirmations and positive examples of why you are equipped, qualified. So it took him three or four years from saying, I want to do this to actually doing it. He had no intention of like starting his own business in 2017, but he did express that this is what I want to do one day, but it took him some time to really mentally prepare himself. But then when he did, it was like, he's off to the races. But I say all that to say, to not be discouraged when you experience that and to be patient with yourself because what you're up against from the conditioning you've experienced 
at your day job, likely it doesn't just go away overnight. You have to proactively work to counter those messages and counter that narrative that you've been told about yourself or inadvertently not told just by virtue of not being promoted or not being celebrated. Mm -hmm. um, If that makes sense. It totally does. And I'm sitting here. It's beyond the pause at this point, because I'm thinking about a therapy session I had recently. I'm just going to, you know, let's put it out there. Right. I have an amazing therapist, amazing woman. And we had a heavy session one day and she said, what's your body doing now? And I was like, you know, I started describing where I felt something. And as you were speaking just now, Amanda, I kid you not. I was thinking, okay, Christina, what's your body doing? Like she's speaking to you and so many others, right? So many other moms, so many other women who found themselves stuck in corporate. I like to think of it as semi-handcuffed, suffocated. There's so many words that come to mind, especially as a woman who for the longest time didn't feel like she was enough. Keep in mind, I've had this gift since 13, right? So fast forward a few decades, literally, I've gotten the degrees and the certifications and we could count all the letters behind my name and the few commas I use, but I allowed myself to be suffocated and feel stagnant and stuck and that didn't feel good. And so as you're talking, I'm like, yes, like I feel like someone understands how that feels. And I could feel like all right here, like in the center and my chest and my throat. And I was like, you're aware, Christina, like this is, I knew this conversation would be amazing. I didn't know I needed it the same way I need therapy on a weekly basis. I didn't know I needed this. And I think of how so many other women are listening to this and they need that permission. They need that invitation to begin exploring themselves. They need that confirmation that they're not crazy, that they're not making this stuff up. This is reality, Amanda. This really is reality for so many of us. Wow. Breathing. (laughs) Just breathing. You mentioned the word balance a couple of times today, and I think about how I feel like I've achieved balanced success. Not every day, not every year, but there was a point in my life where, and I think it was right around the time we spoke some years ago. And I was like, okay, Christina, you went from literally living in poverty, unhealthy relationship as a young adult to now a homeowner, now raising two amazing children, now working from home, now making six figures. Now you have the ability to go to your daughter's school for the play or the parent-teacher conference. You can step away, go get your nails done. You can step away and do the things that you missed out on for so many years because you were stuck in the cube. So in that moment, I felt like, wow, this feels like balance. You know, people talk about work-life balance, like this feels like my balance in this moment. And so I think about life these days and how fortunate I am to have been able to step away from corporate this year again, breathe a little bit 
and pursue what brings me joy, pursue a path where I'm convinced I will have the greatest impact without the stuff in corporate. And that just makes me really wonder if this balanced success idea or work-life balance, as some call it, is real, right? There's a lot of talk about it, a lot of talk. And and some people have tossed the word balance in the garbage. For me, I don't look at balance as 50-50. That's limiting. I think of it as in correct proportion, right? So balance today doesn't look the same as it did 10 years ago or five years ago. And it may not look the same next week. It kind of depends on what I have going on. It's not going to be 50-50 work and home. So all of that said, do you feel like you have achieved some sense of balance in your life? Are you working in that direction or is it just something that's not a reality? For me, (laughs) Mm -hmm. for you, I have always, I've always kind of prioritized balance, prioritized flexibility, prioritized being able to control my schedule. That's really the thing. Control my time, say yes to what I want to do in as much as I can so that I can make room for the things that matter to me. Mm -hmm. And I think I only recently found myself on the other side of that. And it was during the pandemic. I got severely burnt out. (laughs) Believe it or not, I wasn't controlling my schedule and I was at home all the time. Wow. I had a newborn. Mm -hmm. I had a really busy year business-wise and I kind of became beholden to everyone else's needs. And I realized that that wasn't sustainable for me and it wasn't worth it to me. I'm in a place now where I'm kind of making sure I am meeting my own personal non-negotiables. So like if I were to describe my day to you, you'd probably be like, okay, Amanda, that sounds pretty good. Like I'm, to me, my mornings are sacred. I have uncovered I fine tune this regularly. Like I'm always Mm -hmm. journaling to get to know, you know, what is working for me? What's not working? Like what little tweak can I do that makes me enjoy my experience on this planet a little more? And so for me, I do a 30 minute walk in the morning. I'm hoping to increase that to something more rigorous, but I'm starting like I'm, you know, admittedly, I'm not like a gym person. But I'm getting older and I I know that moving or if I don't move around, like my back starts hurting, things get (laughs) stiff and rickety, like Mm -hmm. that's not good. And so I found I love walking. I don't like being on a treadmill, but I like to see things and just observe. So I do a 30 minute morning walk. I do what I call marination, (laughs) which is um, (laughs) it's a mixture of journaling, prayer, meditation. And I listen to like a playlist that I have. It's called prayer and meditation. And I spend probably about 45 minutes, 45 minutes to an hour just processing my thoughts. And feel- I mean, I'm a, I'm a writer, so I yeah. think it's kind of important to me to do that. But also like 
it's a way of clearing. I took a class, um, like a metaphysical class, and the teacher was talking about like the six different ways that you have to kind of cleanse your energy. Mm -hmm. She was saying like clearing is one of the things that's important to do. And I realized like I do that through journaling. Like Mm -hmm. I mentally clear myself. I kind of go through all my thoughts, like therapy and just processing so that I am clear on what I'm doing moving forward. What are my priorities? How do I feel? I settle my spirit. I resolve things that I'm worrying about. Like I ask myself questions to really get to the root of why am I worried about this? Why is this stressing me out? What can I change? And I really do that work on myself daily. And I find that if I don't get to do those things before I have to show up in service to other people, Mm -hmm. I'm just not the best me. And so I don't really schedule meetings before 11. Mm -hmm. Um, The mornings are for me. I get my daughter off to daycare. I do my walk. I do my marination. And I just kind of have a leisurely start of the day. And then my workday starts sometimes at 10, but generally at 11 or so. Mm -hmm. And if I have a day where there's room and I'm really trying to listen to my body more. So now... Like the other day, my body was just saying, you know, take a nap. You need to take a nap. Like, I was like, but I have all these things on the list to do this afternoon. I want all these things I want to get done before the day is over, before I have to go, you know, and get the kids and do all that. I was like, I'm going to listen. And I took my little nap. And I'm telling you, like, the day looked different. (laughs) But Mm -hmm. there's a sense of pride that I feel when I prioritize me. And I stopped treating myself as just this tool or instrument to do things for other people. But I really, I put me on the table too. And I say, well, what do you need? Like, yeah, they need this. They need that. She needs this. The kids need that. But what do you need? And I was like, I need a nap. So I took a nap and it made me feel better. It was something small for me. And I think one of my deliverables, I pushed to the next day, but it was fine. It all worked out. And so I say all that to say, like, to have the flexibility to be of my time. Like that's the biggest piece, like being able to say, this is when I'm going to meet with you or not, or this is when I'm going to do my work, or this is when I'm going to take a walk. All of that contributes to a sense of balance that I don't think is really possible when you don't have that flexibility. Mm -hmm. Like if your calendar is, you know, booked by other people and you have no say over your time, it's difficult. Yeah, yeah. So I still do a lot, but I think being able to do it on my terms as much as possible adds to my sense of well-being and my sense of balance. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So that you can then be a better mom, right? Yeah. It's not that I'm doing less. It's just that I'm able to control the flow of how I use my energy, how I use my time. Mm-hmm. Like if it's a particularly sunny day, I might be like, oh my God, I can't miss... I need to go to the forest. Like I have to. Like, yeah, yeah. Rain for the rest of the week. I need to be in nature, and that will serve me, you know, much better than just sitting at my desk. Because then I find when I don't listen to my body and I go to my desk and I try to like force myself to do things, I'm unfocused. I can't mm-hmm. concentrate. Mm-hmm. So it's better to just surrender to your own needs and to what you know you need to kind of operate as your best self. I love it. Like, I think that's the goal. It's like not balanced so much. It's like, what is my formula? Mm -hmm. Because it may be different or look different than anyone else's. I know mine does. Mm -hmm. I don't think many people need an hour of like time to sit and be silent and think and write. I don't know 
too many people, but I do. And owning that, right? Mm-hmm. Um, it took me a long time to own that. Yeah. Right? Kind of weird. And I would even hide it sometimes. Like, people are like, what are you doing? Oh, nothing. I'm just having my coffee. Like, no, I'm like <laughs> writing essays and coming up with new frameworks and philosophies and pondering, you know, life on another planet. Like, that's just me. That's just oh, what I need to do. Daily. Daily. <laughs> oh my gosh. Let me ask you this. So I knew how to find you, right? Yeah. Tell the mom friends, tell the community how to find you, how to connect with you, um, how to be part of, I don't know that it, it, I think it's this energy. It's this vibe. <laughs> it's something you bring maybe because if I remember correctly, you're a Leo. I don't know. Um, <laughs> are you? Look, how did you remember that? Yeah. I am a Leo. <laughs> wait, 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 you're August or July? July 30th. We're the same week. Oh, see, that's, there it is. That's <laughs> so first of all, I ask because each week of each sign, there are slight differences. So our week, we're the first week of Leo, and that is characterized as the week of authority. Is it really? So it's July 23rd, I think, through the 31st. Look at that. Mm-hmm. But like, okay. Um, <laughs> how can we find you? How can the community just be part of what you are building and expanding. So you can find me on my personal website, which is amandamillerlittlejohn.com. I know it's long, but you got to get all the words in there if you want it to be me and not some other random Amanda Littlejohn. <laughs> Amanda Miller Littlejohn. That is, I actually just had that site redone mm-hmm. in the last year. And so it's got updated information about me. I also have a website for like my group programs and trainings, PackageYourGeniusAcademy.com. And you can always find me on Instagram. I'm at, in, at PackageYourGenius. But like that first site, AmandaMillerLittleJohn.com will point you in the direction of like philosophies, my book, Package Your Genius, where, you know, you mentioned mm-hmm. women wanting to know how to figure out how to tap into that first step of putting themselves out there. Like, that's what the whole book is about. Literally, it's like, I know. How, do you, <laughs> how do you outline, like, how do you do that excavation that I talked about? And then after that, practically, how do you put it out into the world so that other people can opt into you mm-hmm. and you can create this pathway to freedom that you want. So I would just as a plug and I generally don't plug my stuff, but the package your genius five steps to build your most powerful personal brand and the companion workbook. I mean, if you just get those two tools or on Amazon, you could be in a different place come you know, January. Yeah. Like in just a few short months, if you actually do what they tell you to do. Yeah. So the book and the book, I would say, would be really great places to start. And so if you're on Amazon, you can search my name and all my tools will come up there as well. But yeah, Amanda Miller Littlejohn.com and say hi. I'm oh, I'm on LinkedIn. I love yes. LinkedIn. Yes. <laughs> Always yes. chit chatting on LinkedIn. So like friend me over there. So we can be connected and I can get to know you and what you're up to. Because it's always fun meeting new people, especially moms. Especially, right? We get um, it. And I'll say this, right? So 
The first mom to shoot me an email and tell me you made it to the end of this podcast episode, I'm going to send you Amanda's book and the workbook because I really like, I really and truly know the value of what you bring to this space. I've experienced it firsthand in in person, in real life. (laughs) And I know how powerful the book is. Like I said, I have it. And so I would love to certainly bless another mom with it and the workbook. So just the first mom to email me once you've heard this, right? It's that simple. Where do they email you? They're emailing me at virtualsixfiguremom at gmail.com. Okay. Y'all heard it first. I can't wait to hear who this person is. Tag me on Instagram once they email you. Yes. Let me know so I can encourage them and cheer them on too. I love it. Thank you, Amanda. This Thank like you. I told you when I slid into your DMs, I was like, I'm just gonna like go for it. Like <laughs> this is always slide into my DMs. These this has been a soul-filling conversation. Like I needed it too. So thank you for making sure we got some time. And I can't wait to hear the episode and see how it resonates with your listeners and what they do with it. Right. Right. It's one thing to absorb the information, but then to actually put the tools and suggestions into practice, right? I mean, who knows? Maybe somebody will start marinating. (laughs) I might have to like borrow that word. I won't steal it, but I'll borrow it. How about that? You can have it. I Listen, that's fine. (laughs) Oh, let me share one more thing. So the the marination that's really powerful that I started doing and I think is I don't even really know what it is. I just, sometimes I do these things and I don't, don't know what to call them or I don't know what it is. And then I find out later it's something like the journaling is clearing. I didn't know that, but I've been doing that since I was a kid. So mm-hmm. a part of the marination process. So I told you it was, I have the playlist, I do the journal and I have the prayers. So I actually write a set of prayers every month that the prayers are directed to what's going on in my life and what I want to see more of. And so by repeating, I found that that's really important too. the repetition. Mm-hmm. It sets attention on what it is that I want. And it helps me to see when I'm actually getting <laughs> what I want yeah. and it's happening in my life. So I will write a list of prayers. I'm trying to find I was trying to find my iPad so I could just read you an example of one. Mm-hmm. But I'll do like 10 different one, 10 different prayers. And I'll read them every day and say them. So here's one. Lord, show mm-hmm. me how to execute quickly and with excellence and ease using the muscle memory I've been building these last 30 years. Show me how to increase mental and time margin as my schedule and demands grow more dynamic. And so that's one of my prayers for this month. But literally... I will copy and paste last month prayers and edit. I'll leave in the ones that I still need to pray. But what I find is a lot of them have been answered by the time I get to the next month. It's like you're as I'm living, it's like my life is a prayer. It's really powerful. So if you are interested in marinating, add that to your agenda. I just keep the notes on my phone and in the notes app on my iPhone. And every month I do a new set. And it's kind of been cool to look back at Mm. what I prayed for this time last year and see how much I've grown or what's the things that I was worried or concerned about that are not even a concern now because 
just integrated in my life and I'm just living it. It's yeah. really, really powerful. Our words are powerful. Yes. So I encourage you. And if you see yourself leaving your job, say that, write that down as a prayer. Lord, show me the steps to take mm-hmm. the first steps, <laughs> the mm-hmm. first three steps to take to, wow. to position myself to leave my job. You say that every day for 30 days, you'll start seeing the steps. Mm-hmm. And one of the steps might even just be listening to this episode of your podcast. Mm-hmm. I know. I can't. I'm going to stop. I'm <laughs> no more. This is, yeah. <laughs> Seriously, I have therapy in the morning and I'm going to talk to my therapist about this and say, you know what? Like, I am now very much in tune with what I'm feeling when something is like resonating with me. And this is beyond resonating, right? This is something else. Like I'm aware of how my body is reacting to what I'm hearing, to the messages I'm receiving. And what I'm hearing from you is like, it's so powerful. It's not me tooting your horn, although toot toot. It's me just saying, Amanda, please don't ever stop, right? Don't ever stop speaking. Don't ever stop writing because... I imagine there are more people like me who need to hear this, who need to read your words. And you make such a huge impact on not just the individual, but the home, therefore the community. So I thank you. Thank you for that. That makes me, you're going to try, you're trying to make me cry. I am. (laughs) I'm literally looking at my Kleenex, literally, like as soon as we disconnect. (laughs) We're both falling apart. We're going to be in shambles. And pools, pools of our own tears. This is beautiful. And I appreciate you. you. Thank you for having me and giving me space to share this and to share, you know, we went where it went. And we did that blessing. So thank you. Yes. No guardrails. It was just a very pure conversation. And I thank you for that. So thank you. We'll catch up soon, my dear. All righty. Thank you so much for listening today. Make sure you stay connected with the virtual Six Figure Mom community. Hit subscribe for podcast episodes. Visit our website at www.virtualsixfiguremom.com and join our growing online community on Instagram and LinkedIn.